This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. What's up? What's happening? I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. And hey, look, Logan. There's a third face on our screen. That's Daryl Ryder, 92.3 The Fans, Browns beat reporter, host of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland, our sister podcast on the Browns. I'll actually be on with them. Daryl, I heard you guys record it like some inhumane hour. Very late recording, but I'm going to do it just for you guys. I, you know what? I appreciate you taking the bullet, but you know we all have lives and things to do, so we, you know, we just try and we found a time that works for everybody. So. I also just would like to clarify. I have a life as well. It just ends around six o'clock. No. And I, I go into, I go into non-life mode. I'm like, I don't want to do anything, but sit on my couch. So that's I'm all right. The, the same way, except for, <laughs> I don't like getting up in the morning. I, I'm mm. the opposite. Life for me doesn't begin till about noon. That's like when I wake up so if you talk to me before noon i'm usually really really grumpy and then afternoon i'm just sort of grumpy which is weird because your day job is covering the browns you think your day would get grumpier as it went (laughs) well you know uh after doing it all these years you just accept it for what it is that's i you know the the five stages of grief i don't know where acceptance fits in but that's (laughs) the stage that i'm at when it comes to the browns so let me ask you this, because um, obviously, like, look, we've spent a lot of time this this year and over the past many years talking about all kinds of untoward things with the Washington organization, thanks to the owner uh, and some of the people that have worked here in the past. That's well covered in any number of uh, media outlets and also a congressional report. Uh, for you guys this year, you know, bad football is one thing, but covering Watson and, and the whole saga that was the trade and then ultimately the, how it's played out this season as there's been continued reporting um, on the things that he did and, and then ultimately now he's taken the field and uh, we'll talk about the football and what that all means in a second. But like, as someone on that beat covering that, what has this year been like compared to the other years that have you know, had their their share of off-the-field stories as well with Cleveland, but this, one, this one's pretty unique. Well, let's just put it this way. When uh, they were going through the, the recruitment process and the news came out that the Browns had been eliminated, um, I celebrated. And then the next day when it came out that the Browns got them, I cried. That, Did you yeah. actually cry? No, but, <laughs> I wanted to because I knew what that was going to entail. Uh, a lot of non-football related things, a lot of very uncomfortable subjects that are you know going to have to be talked about uh, and that. So yeah, it, it was not 
uh, great. Uh, I just basically sat there and said, of all the quarterbacks they picked, why this guy? Um, but now that we, now that he's on the field, now that he has served his suspension, um, for all intents and purposes, at least from my perspective, unless there are new revelations that come out, that story goes in the file cabinet for now. Um, and it's, it's, you know, basically about football, uh, for me, but if additional accusations come out, if additional litigation, you know, there are still two active cases against him and there's a chance he could settle them. There's a chance they could uh, go to trial. I know one of uh, the accusers absolutely wants to go uh, to trial. But, um, you know, for me, I've tried to keep it about football as much as possible, similar to you guys down in Washington with all the external stuff that surrounds the Commanders franchise, you know, um, it, you, you try and keep stick with the football stuff as as much as possible. And if there's any other relevant news that comes out, then obviously it's our job to cover that. Yeah, and, and I've certainly been not afraid to talk about uh, that stuff as well. We do a lot more of that stuff on the radio than, than we do necessarily here. But from a football standpoint, you also have a season that's like you're waiting on this guy for the entirety of or almost the entirety of it. Now he's playing. Like, what is what is the the what was it like around the building? Like, what do the other players have? Or you have almost this like, I don't know, like the season of purgatory where you're just waiting for the guy that you gave all that money and traded for and and were willing to take on all the bad headlines to actually come in and play quarterback. So how how did that play out in terms of the football storyline of the season? Well, I mean, uh, Jacoby Brissett came in and I thought did a really good job unfortunately they only won four of the first 11 games and and if you would have told if you would have told me without watching any of the games and anything transpired yeah that pretty much sounds about right winning four to seven with Jacoby Brissett as your starter the problem is Jacoby played really really well in fact Jacoby has played a lot better than we've seen Deshaun Watson play like we have yet to see Deshaun Watson look like the player that they gave 230 million dollars to now there's built-in, I'm calling them excuses. There's built-in excuses, right? He played terrible at Houston. It was his first game back. He was, you know, throwing one-hop passes to receivers all afternoon long. Then bad weather started. So, well, it's kind of unreasonable expected he's going to light up box scores when the weather is pretty terrible out there, right? Uh, he played well down the stretch against the Saints in those ungodly, frigid, uh, you know, polar express conditions. <laughs> um, that he had to play in, just guys couldn't catch the football. He had three drop, the three potential uh, touchdowns that were dropped. So it's tough to even evaluate the football aspect of things uh, with Deshaun Watson because there's so many mitigating circumstances, or is normal fans call them excuses uh, as to why things haven't, you know, really been elevated to the level uh, that the people expected them to. So. Um, you know, I, I don't know if players were sitting around those first 11 weeks just waiting for Deshaun to arrive and that all of a sudden was going to be the, the magic elixir. I hope not because I really think that that's insulting to the quality work that Jacoby Brissett did for them. Um, so yeah, I, I hope that's not the case. I just hope that, you know, there are tangible reasons because that, that's what I'm trying to figure out why you have all this talent and, Cleveland Browns still can't win football games. It, it, it's maddening. 
Well, I would say like uh, in terms of watching, I'll watch a lot of Cleveland this week, you know, which is a good and bad thing, obviously. But I will say that, um, you know, one of the things that stuck out to me is just how the defensive side of the football struggles for them. You know, offensively, I think there's a consistency, especially with Brissett at quarterback. They seem to have a nice identity. Obviously, there's been a transition for whatever reason in the run game since uh, Watson's kind of taken the uh, the helm. But defensively, like what is, in your opinion, the issue there? They've got a lot of talented pieces. They've got a lot of young people who are very athletic. It just seems it doesn't quite gel. They're not always on the same page. What's what's the story there? Uh, that is the story. And mm. it's been like this for three years. Um, I, I would be somewhat surprised if Joe Woods, the defensive coordinator, survives. This is year three for him mm. uh, running that side of the ball. And you, you Logan, you, you summed up the Browns' defense. That's what it's been the whole year. A confusion. They've had to burn timeouts because they don't know what personnel is supposed to be on the field at what time, or they don't have the right number of personnel on the field. This The... the the season defensively for the Cleveland Browns can be boiled down to a 30-second sequence that occurred at the end of the first half in Detroit against the Buffalo Bills in which uh, the Browns saw a formation that uh, they weren't prepared for, so they called defensive timeout. Okay, smart. Good job, right? Let's make sure we get this right. Don't give up a touchdown right before the half. The very next play... Bill score wide open touchdown. Mm. Like not a defender within like three feet, you know, 30 feet of a guy. And that sums up the Browns defense in totality where you sit there and you say, well, what the hell did you just spend 60 seconds talking about? Right. How does that happen? Um, the Jets game in which they were up 30 to 17 with a buck 50 on the clock, right? Um, they lose that game uh, 31 to 30. Because the defense, again, everyone's looking at each other. It's it's the Spider-Man meme. That's the Browns <laughs> defense. Everybody's pointing at each other. You, was that you? Was that you? Was it you? Like, So that is basically uh, a summation of that side of the football. And it's it's really disappointing because, as you said, they have talent on, uh, on that side of the ball. This is not a situation where we're sitting up here in Cleveland five years ago saying, well, let's see, they have no pass rusher. They have no this they don't have that they don't have like they have the cornerstones now every team has holes on their roster let's be honest about it there's no such even super bowl champions there's no such thing as a perfect roster but what always amazes me and this goes for you guys down in washington or it's out in san francisco where they've got a rookie quarterback that a lot of people mr irrelevant is winning games for them right now like it it's amazing to me how so many NFL franchises find a way to win. It isn't always pretty, but they just they find a way. Whatever is thrown at them, they find a way. Washington's doing the same thing this year. And the Cleveland Browns always find excuses and ways to lose. Mm. Well, that's the other thing that's interesting about that statement, right? Because like the Browns defense, they seem to be like a pretty – I won't say simple defense, but it seems to be pretty straightforward. They like to run a lot of cover three. They run man in short yardage situations. So it seems like it shouldn't be that complicated. But but it is. Like yeah. that's that's what's amazing about this is when we talk to the players, they don't want to call anyone out. Um, it's an interesting locker room. It's a locker room full of really good guys. It's it's mm -hmm. not a bad locker room. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a quiet locker room though. Not not many players that are in. You know they kind of keep everything in-house. They try not to make headlines when they speak to us. 
but it's a pretty young team though too. I think that's yeah. kind of interesting about it. But they confusion is like the the buzzword. Like mm. you know, it, it you know people you have players talking about yeah you know it gets a little complex at times and we're not on the same page and. We're not thinking what we're supposed to be thinking, when we're supposed to be thinking it, or we're thinking somebody's supposed to do something that doesn't get done. And, mm. and Joe Woods then will come out and say, "Yeah, I gotta, I gotta, you know, tighten the menu and this that." And it's like, no, the menu should be tight to start with, and then when you get into the game, then you you add the sides and the dessert and everything else. You don't go in with the whole shebang, and then and then things aren't going right. I say, well, we're going to take away the dessert, and we're going to take away the bread. Then the mashed potatoes got to go, and we're just going to stick to the the steak. That's it. That's all. That's the basics. And so, uh, like I said, I, I will be surprised if Joe Wood survives this because there's been entirely too much confusion. I think the defense is more complicated than it needs to be, mm-hmm. and quite frankly, I don't – know if they have the players to effectively run whatever it is that Joe Woods wants to run the way Joe Woods wants to run it. And I, I never question football players' intelligence, and I never question their effort because I have a tremendous amount of respect for the intelligence that's required to play in the NFL and the effort that is required to play in the NFL. But what I will question, I will question execution, I will question use of personnel, and I will uh, you know, question – uh, you know, situation game management. It sounds almost Logan, like some of the things we were talking about with Del Rio when this defense Early, was struggling yeah. earlier in the year. Um, we kind of had this thing where, uh, you know, defensively all the players were like, Oh, it's really complicated. We have to get this check and that check and this thing and that thing. And then like Jay Gruden, who obviously was a coach here for a long time would go on, uh, our radio stations and talk about what it was like to face Del Rio as an offensive coordinator or as an offensive head coach. And he'd be like, yeah, Jack's defense is pretty simple. And it's like, well, if it's simple, if it's simple for the opponent and hard for you, that doesn't seem like a, a good formula. Uh, that's, that's, that's bad. That's definitively bad. Um, Miles Garrett's continued to be great. 13 and a half sacks on the year. Is he still a guy like, how are those sacks coming? Is he a guy that can still ruin a game? Is he a guy that, that has ruined some games for offenses this year? Or are they kind of come in garbage time and, and stat accumulation? By Logan's reaction, I'm going to say it's probably the former. Uh, ask Tom Brady how the end of his game went. Because <laughs> Miles Garrett destroyed that game. It's a little bit of both. I mean, yes, there have been times where the, the, the sacks have come at times in the game in which there wasn't a significant impact on the game. But then there have been times like the Tampa Bay game where the game is online and, and Miles Garrett has just absolutely ruined Tom Brady's afternoon. Yeah. V- very relevant question here in Washington because the last two star defensive ends they've faced have won conference player of the week. Kayvon Thibodeau and Nick Bosa <laughs> won it back-to-back in the NFC. So, Miles Garrett, uh, congratulations. You might be AFC play- Defensive Player of the Week this week if things continue. Yeah, and he's, he's still playing with a bad shoulder. Of course, he got in that car accident at the end of September. Mm, but he has, he has played through that injury the entire season. And to me, that's been the amazing thing is that he's still putting up his numbers and he's nowhere near 100%. And he's a guy that gets double and triple teamed and chipped and uh, you name it. They, they threw everything in but the kitchen sink at the guy. And yet he is still able – to put up the the type of numbers that he's able uh, to put up, but yeah, he could he he could wreck your afternoon in a heartbeat. There's no question about it. Um, but he's he's played hurt since uh, the end of September, and it's been incredible to watch him at times because I, I just I have seen him after games where it is a struggle for him just to lift the t-shirt over his head 
to to put it on. So the fact that he has been able to do what he's been able to do is like the, the guy just isn't human. <laughs> he really isn't. It's incredible. Well, I think that's been the interesting thing. Like when you watch him, obviously he's very productive and he, you know, his effort is a little bit up and down, but he's just so physically gifted. He can wreck at any moment. There hasn't been a lot of complimentary pass rush pieces to him, right? It's like teams, if you can kind of take away Miles Garrett, then it's, there's not a lot going on. You do have some guys with some athleticism, like uh, Bryant, Federian, uh, not Federian, um, the kid from Oklahoma, the defensive tackle. Um, Jordan Elliott. Yeah, uh, yeah, all those guys. They've got pass rush juice, but no one seems to kind of be pass rushing outside of yeah. Miles Garrett. Is <laughs> what's going on with that? Well, the the defensive line is not nearly as strong, and I think that that is one of the sins of uh, the GM Andrew Barry in the offseason mm. that he really failed to effectively address defensive tackle. The you know Jadavian Clowney certainly hasn't put up the type of numbers this year. Uh, that he did last year. He had nine sacks last year. He only has two of them uh, this year. He's been on and off the field right. with some lingering injuries. Uh, he practiced on Wednesday, first time since uh, suffering a concussion uh, against the Ravens in the first half. He's dealt with an ankle and foot injury this year that's been somewhat problematic. But defensive tackle is not very strong. Uh, their linebacking core has just absolutely been decimated due to injury. Four starters have uh, basically ended on injured reserve, starting uh, with Anthony Walker. Um, and it is just, you know, it's been unfortunate. So that's, I think, one of the reasons not to make excuses, but it is, uh, you know, valid to bring up when your four rotational linebackers are all on injured reserve. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it It totally makes sense that you're going to struggle in the middle of your defense there, uh, not only on the ground, but but even, you know, stopping the passing game on those quick slants across the middle. Uh, what do you expect on Sunday in terms of a prediction? Pain. <laughs> Lots of pain. For who, Daryl? There's going to be oh, pain somewhere. Well, it's a Browns-Washington game. Of course yeah. there's going to be pain. Who's going to suffer it? I'm probably I'm probably gonna say the Browns. You know, Washington has a lot to play for. They're still in it. If they, they I mean, they are. There is a scenario this weekend. Yes. If Washington wins, and they, I think it's the Lions, the Seahawks, and the Packers lose, then Washington is in. Or if Washington wins their final two two games, it's winning in for them. If I understand those scenarios correctly, so right. uh, there's a lot of motivation there. What's interesting to me when I look at Washington. Um, you know, between between Heineke and Wentz, there's not much of a difference when you look at them on paper. Like the stats are a carbon copy, um, and uh, you guys obviously are aware of the the history of Carson Wentz and the Cleveland Browns, and uh, he's one and one against the the Browns. Embarrassed them in his NFL debut with Philadelphia, and then the second time he played them, the Browns were able to get the best of him. But I I do like Washington to win this game because the Commanders, quite frankly, have something to play for. Whereas the Browns, Browns are basically playing for pride and jobs. And when you get to that point in the season, it's really hard to predict that team, uh, you know, to to win. But um, I, I think that the Commanders will handle their business this weekend and beat the Browns. It'll be a good game, though. I don't think it's going to be a, a snooze fest. The weather's supposed to be nice. That's, I think, the one thing that the commanders have to worry about is this could potentially be the Deshaun Watson breakout game. This yeah. really could because weather is not going to be a factor. He's really established some chemistry with David Njoku and Amari Cooper there. We've seen that here. And so weather's not going to be a factor. 
That's the one thing if I'm Washington that I'd be very, very worried about that this could be the uh-oh Deshaun Watson is back game. Yeah, it's something I know, Logan, that we're about to talk about uh, from your film study as well. So we will get into that in just a moment. If you want more from Daryl and more from the Cleveland side of things, it's always game day in Cleveland is the podcast. You can also listen 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland, our Odyssey station there. Well programmed by that Andy fella, but don't tell him I said that. Uh, Daryl Ryder, everybody here on Take Command. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. Thanks again to Daryl Ryder from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland for joining us. All right, Logan, when you look at the Browns on tape, you see an offense that has gone through some different versions, uh, as you would expect with a quarterback change towards the tail end of this season, but overall has a consistent identity. Uh, what, what, what is that identity and, and how do you think it plays out against this commander's defense? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're early on in the season, man. They just, they wanted to run the football. They wanted to run the football downhill. You know, Bill Callahan is the offensive line coach there. So kind of like what you'd expect. Oh, Bill Callahan. Duo bounce kind of supplemented with outside zone, right? They're pretty good. The offensive line is talented. They're, Maybe not the most physically gifted group in the world, but they're really well coached. They do what they're supposed to do, and they get hats on hats. And, um, you know, they did a lot of stuff with Chubb from, like, the dot. So, like, deep, seven yards deep behind the quarterback, quarterback under center. And if you want to run the football in the NFL, like, that is, to my mind, the most effective way to do it. It just helps the back out, helps the line out. It does a lot of stuff for you in terms of timing. Um, and then kind of in the last four weeks since Watson really became the quarterback, they've shifted a little bit. So, you know, they, you know, Callahan classic, like bring an extra lineman. You got an lineman playing fullback. You got an lineman playing tight end. Um, and all that stuff is kind of phased out, surprisingly. And their rushing efficiency has also been less efficient, right? They're not quite as good. And I think, and I can't really think of a good reason for it, you know, other than Watson probably is more dynamic in the gun. Um, they do use a little bit of quarterback run stuff with him. That is like, you know, like kind of that um, the, the play that Philly runs where they they read the backside end, they pull the backside guard and center and they kind of use that to get hats the plus side of the run. They do that. But you can tell they're not like 
super comfortable with it. It's it's a little bit messy and muddy and kind of like how Washington tried to throw that in against the New York Giants and it just wasn't as sharp as Philly because Philly right. was majored in it. It's the same right. type of thing. So I, I really think that they need to kind of go back to the drawing board. If I was if I was the coach there, Stefanski, and I'd say, we need to keep this stuff that we're really good at. The, these downhill runs, these bigger personnel groupings, we can get to our play action stuff off of that because really that's what they want to do. They want to run the football and then set up these huge chunk play action plays. And I think as the running deficient, as the running efficiency has come back, right, has become less efficient, they've gotten to less play action shots because they're in more like second and eight, third and eight, you know, second and nine. And usually coordinators kind of have a thought process that is like, this isn't a good play action down. And you kind of see that unfolding. And so you're demanding a much higher level of efficiency from your drop back passing game. And Watson, to his credit, over the last four weeks has gotten better in that department. And and I think they're it's almost like they're getting ready to shift the offense to be like fully Watson-centric as to being full, fully Nick Chubb-centric, if that makes sense. So yeah. it, it's, it's this weird kind of transition that they're in. But I do think, to my eye, you can still do both. Still emphasize what Chubb does well. Just have Watson kind of adapt on these early downs to the more play action, kind of different run looks, being under center. Um, but for whatever reason, they, they haven't done that. So that's been uh, a little surprising to me. Yeah, um, that's definitely interesting because they have built that team in the like, let's run, go crazy right. mold right. over the past couple of years. Because um, not only do they have Chubb, but they have Kareem Hunt, um, who, you know, before they ever considered Watson, like same thing, like that guy was available because of off the field stuff. And they're like, let's bring him in because it'll be worth it. And we're going to build the team around these two backs. And, you know, Hunt surged his suspension and, and then uh, ultimately came back and they had some years with Baker Mayfield at quarterback where they were pretty effective um, offensively. Uh, but ultimately, same thing. Couldn't make the playoffs. Couldn't crack through, and and that's why they decided to move on from Bayfield, Mayfield, and and in their minds, upgrade at quarterback um, with the investment they made trading for and then signing Watson to this massive extension. So you do have to kind of wonder. Maybe they got tired of that in some way, where they're like, "No, this isn't going to work. We want to be more modern NFL. We want to be more pass centric." But the thing is, Logan, like they don't necessarily have the horses on the outside. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Amari Cooper fan. Um, I, we talked about that in the off season. Like I thought that was a mistake for Dallas to like be so, uh, haphazard almost and letting, or so, so enthusiastic yeah. about letting him go. Um, obviously it's worked out all right for them, but there have been times this year where they've missed him for sure. Um, but he's like a high end two, probably low end one. And I don't think that anybody like, or maybe even like, he's a fine one. Um, I mean, he's super one. talented. I think the problem is they don't have like a true, but they, they don't have the compliments like, yeah. to him is that, I guess more what yeah, I was yeah. going to get to. And that's, yeah. that's probably the better point is like, they don't have like Donovan people's Jones is, is not scaring you. Um, like he's yeah. fine. He's, um, he's but, a good player, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. But like, that's not that, that is not a scary receiving duo. And when, mm. you know, if you like look at some of the, how they're trying to now seemingly shift, like they would want Washington's skill group yes um and yes. and that's the that's the the hard part is like when you're a team in transition which obviously for them these last two games like what do they care they can just get some extra reps for the future basically it's it's glorified scrimmages um because it doesn't it doesn't matter for them in terms of playoffs um it it's it's gonna be interesting to watch how they they do it because they again like they can do that like 
if they want to say, hey, our future is with Watson at quarterback and we're, we're bringing Stefanski back and we want to start building towards next year, who cares whether they, they would be better off running the ball? Like there's a wild card element to them yeah. this week that Washington is is actually the exact opposite. Where if Washington was in that scenario, like Sam Howell's starting at quarterback. Instead, they're like, <laughs> oh my God, Wentz or Heineke, Wentz or Heineke, Wentz or Heineke, and how do we play it? And what's the exact right, whatever? There is no margin for error because they, they've kind of got to win these two games to get in the playoffs. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point with our uh, uh, Cooper in the sense that like he is, I read somewhere, it's like 64% of their offensive passing game goes through our Cooper. And he wow. has done a good job with that, right? But that is a really high percentage for a player that isn't Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, like that caliber of receiver. So uh, obviously that's the way they want to go. They have a nice complimentary peach in David Njoku, who I like a lot, but to me seems very inconsistent in terms of how he's catching the football and his down-to-down effort. Obviously very, very physically gifted. But again, like those are kind of the two pieces in the pass game that show up relatively consistently. But again, Njoku... I think the thing that's keeping him from being in kind of that top five conversation is his down-to-down consistency, right? He'll drop a pass, he'll run a bad route, and you're like, come on, man, like this this play is geared for you to make this play. So right. I think that's the thing. Um, and then kind of to your point about them transitioning the offense, you know, even though they don't have the tools, the crazy thing is, is like when you watch the Saints game, obviously it's not perfect by Deshaun Watson. But you are, I mean, golly, he made some incredible throws in that game that were just flat out dropped by the receivers. And obviously it's cold, it's negative 15 degrees, like that kind of stuff happens. But if you look at his adjusted, complete, adjusted completion percentage for that game, so he threw, I think it was like 49% completion percentage. So if you just say the drops will be catches, and they're like, they're, you know, the way they do it is like if it hits the hands, basically, mm -hmm. um, it goes to 75% completion percentage. So they were wow. very close in that game to just like, the dam breaking and scoring a ton of points. And that is the thing that I think makes me the most nervous about this game is because you were starting to see in that game, stack that with the Baltimore game. There's elements of this in the Bengals game. You're starting to see something that I didn't think we'd see till next year, which is 2020 Deshaun Watson. And if like, like Daryl was alluding to, if the weather's nice and he comes out and the receiver's hands are warm and everybody's feeling good, like this could be a, a long day for this defense, even though they don't have a lot of weapons. And so what I, what I, what I mean by that? So for example, in the saints game, like there's a play where they get a pressure, they're in the red zone and he rolls out to his left. He makes the defender miss and he delivers a ball to the corner of the end zone, like with a margin of error of probably like six inches right into uh, Donovan people's Jones hands. And he drops it. And like, there's a, there's a defender there. I mean, it was, it's one of the, it's crazy to watch him because if you watch his good throws, like they're better than they are on par with like the Mahomes and Allen in terms of tight window, evading yeah. pressure, elevating the offensive line. And a lot of times they're dropped. And so to me, it's like, let's say the conditions are right and they hit on those. Like you can't defend those plays. Like as much as you want to say, like stop the run, limit them from their play action passing game, which I think is the right approach. That's the right game plan. If he starts playing like this, then you don't have a solution because he, you are playing against, you're playing against Patrick Mahomes. You're playing against Josh Allen. And like, that sounds crazy to say, but in 2020, when he took his hiatus, right. For all of the reasons, like everyone's aware of, he was the third best graded quarterback in the NFL behind Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, who went, goes on to win the Super Bowl that year. 
Like that's the kind of conversation you're in with that talent. And so if he figures it out this week, shoot, man, like it's going to be tough. And especially yeah. given how banged up the secondary has been. Right. So that was going to be my next thing. Cam Curl, uh, as, as folks know by now, who've been listening for a while, if you're new, welcome. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Uh, but we record this on Thursdays, um, and we typically record as we are now on Thursday morning. So we don't have a practice report for Thursday, nevertheless, Friday and game statuses as we do this preview, the one flaw of our recording time. But Cam Curl, limited Wednesday. Um, Chase Young was out with an illness, but he should be fine uh, by the weekend. Uh, but if they don't have curl and by the way, St. Just is still very clearly not right. Like right. he could not run. He could not open it up on Sunday or on Saturday against the 49ers. Like how much trouble is this defense in? Um, and, and I, you know, before I'd say that and, and people are like, oh, you're so negative. Like I, they still were pretty good on Saturday. Like they obviously the Ray Ray McLeod touchdown. That's that's not great. We did a an enhanced film breakdown of that where we took some of our analysis and put some film clips over it. If you want to watch it, youtubecom slash at Craig Hoffman for that one. And but there's like a key missed holding call on that play. Okay, yep. so you give up one big play that you're inches away and in a missed call. The kind of missed call that happens down and down out. No conspiracy right. theory stuff. But like you're you're that close to not giving up that play, and it's a game plan run and a Kyle Shanahan game plan run. Okay, fine. Uh, you give up a ton of points in the second half. Okay, well, half of them are, or most of them are on field goals where the drive started in field goal position because your offense turned the ball over. So, like, the defense, even with the problems that they had, facing George Kittle, who's about the worst guy you could have faced without Cam Curl, right. still played okay on Saturday. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they're definitely vulnerable um, if Curl and St. Juice are not right. And there's definitely a chance that those guys certainly won't be 100%, but that even that one or, or both of them is not available on Sunday. Well, I think that's the thing that's that's scary, that's scary about this this hypothetical situation. Obviously, Watson showed in, in the Saints game, and like I said, the, the Baltimore game, kind of this elite playmaking ability that has been kind of, if you watched the Houston game, you thought, man, He's terrible. He shouldn't be playing football in the NFL, right? He, like maybe the worst performance I've seen this year from a starting quarterback. And for him to slowly start turning it around, you kind of say, well, if he keeps progressing and each week getting better, then this week he will get better. And if he does get better, he's now grading as a top quarterback in the NFL. Like this is a hypothetical. You're asking for a lot of right. assumptions, things to fall through. Right. But even if he is playing that way and Cam Curl is healthy and Benjamin St. Just is healthy, that is a tough person to game plan for, that type mm. of player. So that's why it's concerning. Like you watch Brock Purdy with a beautifully schemed offense, kind of, I don't want to say dice you, but find big plays. Deshaun right. Watson they and Stefanski, they will find those same kind of drop, uh, those same play action pass, passing big plays. Like that's what their offense is. It's very similar to that. But then you have to kind of add in the variable of Deshaun Watson making those special plays. And I think that's the thing. How do you confound that? Because if he's doing that at a high level, like there was a play against uh, against Baltimore where it's a screen pass. They tackle the running back. Baltimore does. He breaks the defensive end's tackle, runs to his right. There's a receiver who's blocking, who does who thinks it's for the screen, turns around, sees he's got the ball. The DB runs up to tackle him, throws it over his head for a 25-yard game. Like that is undefensible, indefensible. So that's the thing that's confounding about this whole thing is, is if he is continuing to progress – and you're not at 100% in the back end, like it's going to be tough regardless. So that's why it's like when Daryl brings that up, like you are, it, it's not like a one-to-one -one correlation, but there is this kind of looming question. 
if he does, if he hits, so if he hits on the incomplete passes that he had against the Saints, like he's throwing for 350 yards, like that's how close they are to being very good offensively. And that's the thing that kind of is unnerving to me. How can they get him like out of rhythm then, right? Like yeah. you, you don't want to just let him then continue to get that trajectory. As you yeah. said, like if he's, if he's that good, like there's only so much you can do, but you know, and he hasn't, watch, he hasn't hit it yet. He hasn't hit it yet, but that seems right. to be where he's right. right. But you know, is, is you go back, you watch the tape, probably some, some of his old stuff you're watching, obviously yeah. the, the, the four games he's played this year. And you know, is this a guy that can be bothered by pressure? Is there certain coverages? Like, what what is the plan for them? Because, I mean, the other part of this, though, is that Nick Chubb is capable of going nuts yes. on any given week. So, um, like you said, the, the, the basis of the game plan is stop the run, be ready for the play action stuff. Right. But is, is there any other, like, twist turn that you think Jack might throw in there this week based off what he's done? Or he's had a pretty good year as a defensive play caller. Yeah, and I think, you know, Zach, Jack deserves a ton of credit, you know, especially after the slow start because I think they did a really nice job of – he does a really nice job of – and we've talked about this – of calling plays that kind of are just enough of a difference that it kind of confounds the quarterback a little bit. And so he's done a good job of that. But he's done a good job of that with Cam Curl in the lineup, with Benjamin St. Juice in the lineup. When those guys are not in the lineup, he has been – more conservative and when you talk to defensive guys in the building they understand their limitations without those guys so they tend to say okay we want to run our cover three zone match but we can't match it the same way because we don't have the same coverage players right so mm. what do we do now we play regular cover three which is a much softer coverage we play regular quarters which is again way softer so you kind of say to yourself like he with with the absence of those two players that those little nuanced game plan things that he throws in that no one would notice, right? They're very subtle, but they're subtle enough that they that you can't predict them. And when they call them, they hit big. Can he do that with this with the secondary the way it is? Is my question, right? Right. And I don't know if you can. So um, obviously, the offensive line we talked about is very good for them. I do think I think the the one thing that kind of gives you solace, right, is like you said, they don't have a dynamic skill position group it's not like the san francisco 49ers they have good players like cooper is outstanding we talked about njoku his limitations people's jones maybe a good two three type player but they don't have like it's not an elite they don't they don't have terry yeah. Jahan, and curtis right so to me what i say is you stop the run because not not that it affects watson but it affects stefanski so stop the run get him out of what he wants to do because I don't think he's great at calling a drop back passing game. Like I, I think he's he's a good coordinator. Like I like what he does. But if you stop the run, like if you look at the last two games that they've lost, they've averaged under three yards a carry. Because basically the teams are like, you are not going to run the football, and it just gets them out of sequence. And they're and I think Daryl hit this on hit that on this with the defense is they're not good enough, well coached enough to go down the field and just keep making plays without that big chunk play. Like they can move the ball well. But then they'll have a holding penalty. They'll have a false start. They'll have a misalignment. Like they they, they just bog themselves down the longer they do bad football field. team stuff. That's right. That's exactly right. So as much as you want to say, oh, Watson's like he might be playing better. Oh, they've got all these skill position players. They they can't go on like a 15 play drive. Like they haven't shown that in the last four games to me, anyway. Mm -hmm. So I would say, how do you do that? You get them off rhythm by stopping the run. Right, because this team, this defense, yeah. sounds like sounds like we'll see some Cinco package. Yeah, Cinco get big Ridgeway in there. Say, let's muck this up. 
like get chasing there and set those edges and say our five versus your five. I think our five are better. Jamin Mayo, all those guys. Let's let let's let's let them hunt. Get them into you know second and long, third and long situations and say you cannot go the length of the field under this premise. And I and I think that's probably true. And so yeah. as much as it is, you know, Deshaun's playing better and he's making some of these crazy plays like good luck doing that down in and down out when you there's other variables the holdings the false starts all that stuff no and if chase is going to play at the level he played uh once he kind of got comfortable last week yeah. like you know can can he make that sack fumble or can he get around the edge and like they, they haven't had uh a lot of sacks and they had the one last week with pain but like they're kind of due for a yeah. game like that and uh can't think of a better time for this very uh talented uh lauded uh, highly invested in front to have a day uh, than the game you need to win uh, to to keep your playoff hopes uh, in your own control going into the final week of the season. Yeah, and I'm really glad you brought up Chase because one of the things, like I went back and watched Chase again, and one of the things that really stuck out to me is just how confident he was in his rush angle. Remember how we talked about how there was a little bit of lack of discipline mm-hmm. before? And yeah. just how he was trusting his line and how he's kind of getting back to the guy that he was at Ohio State. And just from a discipline standpoint, so that to me, I know it's one game, obviously. But yeah, that's it's one game, but please, super, Chase, yeah, keep doing that. Keep doing that, man, because he's he's t- like, you know, Trent Williams' best best offensive lineman in football, and he yeah. had two pressures against him uh, yeah. off of no, like no game time. Yeah, just one on one. Yeah, so that's um, so that's pretty exciting. So yeah, I do think that that is uh, that that should be an advantage for um for Washington because while the Cleveland offensive line is pretty good, they're not the best in pass protection like they're just they're they're good they're very good i don't want to like diminish that group at all but i like i like our group rushing the passer against those guys yeah um which goes back to the run the football or stopping the run type stuff you get them in those second and nine type of situations all of a sudden they've got to drop back now chase and montez and duran and john can can eat a little bit like it all plays into each other uh and and obviously that you know no one no one goes into a game being like eh just give up seven yards to carry. It'll be fine. Um, but it, it, you can see then kind of the next level of the analysis of why that's so important against a team like this. Get them in those situations where they're not as good as play callers and they're not as good as an offensive line and your guys can tee off a little bit. And that's the other thing that stuck out to me too. I mentioned the holds. I mentioned some of those kind of unforced errors. They've also had some mistakes from the backs in pass protection, right? Like where they're mm. driving the football and the backs miss an assignment. They miss a blitz and it leads to a big sack. And so that's another thing. Like if you can tweak the pressures a little bit, stress those running backs, because I do think Jamin's a good blitzer. I think Force is a good blitzer. I think, Bobby's uh, had a couple decent ones yeah, this year. Yeah, Bobby's been good. Jeremy's good at that. Like, use that skill set. Stress those backs because while they're excellent runners, you know, Chubb is an excellent runner. I think Kareem's an, a better pass protector. Um, but, yeah, like, stress them in that way too because, like, you know, as much as the 5-0 linemen are, are really well coached and they do what they're supposed to do, and that's going to be a tough matchup, which I think favors Washington. Like, I don't think the back on our good blitzers or even the scheme of the blitz favors yeah. Cleveland at all. I think that favors Washington. So in terms of insulating coverage, that's one way you can get around missing some of these pieces, right? Say, hey, we can maybe get a little bit more pressure here. Let's try that. Let's stress this running back. Because against uh, Baltimore, that happened two two or three times in the game where it's a big sack. They're driving the football. They take a sack. It's second and 14, and then the, the drive's over for them. So right. that's another way to get to it. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your debt, your weekly source for all things commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. That's Logan Paulson. I'm Craig Hoffman. All right, Logan, uh, we've made it this far in the podcast without talking about the quarterback again. It's two in a row where we, we I don't want to say we buried the lead, but certainly uh, put put the part that we've spent the most time on on the radio, uh, not where not where people might expect it. But Carson right. Wentz is the starting quarterback. What do you expect from him? on Sunday against this Browns defense? I mean, to me, it's not even really like what I expect from Carson. It's like, what are we expecting from Scott? Like, that's Trick the, question. That's the yeah, correct answer. You yeah, did it. Right? Can like, they get the run game straight? Because otherwise it doesn't matter. Can Scott yeah. put them in positions to succeed? Otherwise it doesn't matter. Because I think Scott at his core, like when, like when Scott like wants to be who he wants to be, he wants to do... I don't want to say it's like a college offense, but it's like this kind of you, you're in the gun, you're running some RPO, you're running some zone read, you're running some quick passes, but it's all from the gun. And I think if there was a week to do it, I would say this is the week because the defensive line outside of Miles Garrett is not very good. But Miles Garrett is like a legitimate defensive player of the year type player. Yeah, so if, he's, if he says, I want to like, you're not going to drop back pass, like you're not going to drop back pass. So... Again, I, I'd say, Scott, like, woe on that. I know that's what you want to be. Let's wait till next year when we get some more offensive linemen in here and we kind of develop our protection package a little bit more acutely. Let's run the football. Let's get after that. B-Rob, hey, man, a four-yard run is a winning run this week. Don't try to bounce it out. Don't try to be cute. Get downhill. Help Carson out. Let's set up these play-action pass shots. Let's set up these easy throws. Like, if you look at when Taylor was good, he, Scott did an excellent job off of the play-action pass stuff of getting him easy throws. Give Carson those same opportunities, right? Help the offensive line out with the pass protection. It doesn't need to be every play, but it should be in the first five plays of the game. You should get to one of those shots, right? Let Carson find that easy throw, get the football down the field. You've got these outstanding playmakers at the, at the catch point. I will say uh, the back end of the Cleveland defense is very, very talented. Obviously, as Daryl pointed out, they're not very consistent in terms of playing together but individually they play well um so those will be some fun matchups to watch with terry and um jahan and curtis against those those, those back end guys well, you got terry versus uh his old ohio state teammate denzel ward yeah, which denzel is always ward. always fun those guys uh, i'm pretty sure like have they played in the nfl i don't know there's so many ohio state guys uh, that every time <laughs> terry plays one he's like yeah we used to have the best battles in practice it's like Wait, against that guy? Too? Oh, yeah, probably yeah, makes sense. Because right. Terry was there with like Paris Campbell and all those dudes and some of the guys ahead of him, Mike Thomas, you know, even. Yeah. Uh, and you have all these Ohio State corners from Okuda to Ward to all these different dudes. So the, these two guys have battled in, in practice uh, before. So um, they know each other well, but, you yeah. know, 
that, and by the way, Curtis Samuel also there at the same time. <laughs> um, so guess what? Penn State kid, John, you're up. You, yeah, you got right. to battle him once a year instead of every day in practice. Right. Yeah. So I, I think, um, I think that's what I would say is Scott, like, you know, just let's take a, take a breath. Let's be, be a little bit more conservative. I understand, like get to what you want to get to, but err on the side of being a little bit conservative because you want Carson again, from a, from a rush standpoint, I think just to be as comfortable as possible. Right. I think that's, that to me is the main goal. Don't let them fluster him from a, from a pressure standpoint, keep it all pretty tight and dialed in. I think that's the solution. So in terms of expectation for Carson, if, if he does that, I expect Carson, if, if uh, Turner does that, I expect Carson to have a pretty consistent day. If it's, Hey, let's get in kind of what this, you know, what we saw early in the year, what we saw against Detroit, what we saw the first half of the second New York game, I would be a little bit nervous about what Carson does. I think he's very talented, obviously, but I, you want him to be comfortable and confident. And, and I don't think that that situation promotes that. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'm excited, but also nervous about uh, is some of the game plan. You know, we talk about game plan runs a lot, but like, what yeah. are some of the game plan throws that they have? Yeah. Like, you know, the first couple of weeks we saw some of these plays where Carson would roll out left and throw back deep right, for instance. Or, yeah. you know, they bring they sneak uh, a tight end or Curtis Samuel out and kind of leak them out the backside of a formation. And then Carson throws a ball 40 yards horizontally across the field. And it's a throw that's just not available for Taylor. Yeah. Um, not to be mean about it, but like there's a reason that those plays have disappeared. There are other plays that have appeared, but there's a reason those plays have disappeared. And they were able to manufacture some chunks off of that. Do I think they should focus on manufacturing chunks out of more base offense and, and their base play actions and their, you know, base everything? Yes. But if you can get one or two of those, especially like at the beginning of a drive, you know, first, second down, uh, first, second play of a drive and kind of get some momentum, get going, and then you get into a rhythm, get the defense on their heels a little bit. Like that's a way to set your quarterback up for success. And some of that stuff, and we don't know what it, what it could look like, um, but uh, you know, one of the plays that comes to mind is, is in that Detroit game where they leak Samuel back across the formation and then up the right sideline and Carson throws one, yeah. you know, from the left hash or maybe even outside the hash all the way back across the field, but it's a rope because he's him. Um, and so plays like that, that can generate some, some chunks and hopefully can lead to a scoring drive because we haven't quoted the stat in a while, Logan. I actually, we gotta, we gotta have Warren Sharp back on and update it, but, uh, you know, five, five percent, uh, if you don't get a fit play of 15 yards or more 55%, if you do, in terms of whether or not you score on any given drive, um, can you get those plays, uh, not that Taylor didn't with consistency. And that's the other thing too, is everyone's like, oh, the big plays are back because Carson's here. Like Taylor generated some big yeah. plays. Um, and the arm strength is a little overrated in that regard, but there are going to be more opportunities certainly for them. And so don't get obsessed with it. I, it was what I would, like if I could be the 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 angel on Scott's shoulder, be like, no, settle down. Just yeah. call duo. Um, you know, play action off of it, a little bit of counter. Uh, hey, maybe we'll go a little jet sweep action here. Yeah. But one or two of those, you know, one one of those a half um, could be the difference in the game if, if that's the play that spurs on a scoring drive that you're maybe not getting with Heineke in there. Yeah, I think in terms of, I think that's a really good point. Like you're just, there's more opportunity for stuff, right? It doesn't need to be kind of in between the hashes at 15 yards like it is for Taylor, right? And that's not a, a slight against Taylor, like, I'm not very fast, right? And that's a little, there's a little bit of a genetic <laughs> element to that, right? Like you, you are what you are. Um, and he's improved in that area, so kudos to him. But I do think yeah. Carson lets you get to some more of this, this outside the hash stuff, these comebacks, these deeper routes. And so I think that'll be really good. And I do think, you know, even to be 
you know, kind of even a little bit more aggressive than you were insinuating there. Like, I want to see one of those types of plays a drive, like every five or six plays, not game plan opportunities, but I want to see something, you know, some type of play pass, some type of keeper, some type of play that helps the offensive line out and allows you to kind of get the defense off of you. Like that, I think, is where this offense is going to be at its best. And that's going to be very challenging to Scott, you know, to kind of come up with a, a very diverse play action pass game plan or, or whatever his solution is. But I think it should be more frequent than it was. Because I think you see when you look at San Francisco, for example, like what happens when you're too conservative, right? It really stymies the offense. It allows them to really, you know, allocate a lot of resources towards to stopping the run and get them out of that as quick as you can. So that would be my my thought there. But I think also like if you're um if you're Ron and you're kind of guiding Scott, you always have to remember the defense is playing well. You don't need to win the game. It's mm-hmm. okay to punt the football. And um, you know, as much as we talked about the the Cleveland offense, um, I you know, like I'm not sure they haven't shown a, a proclivity to score a lot of points. The opportunities have been there. They've dropped a lot of touchdowns or whatever, but they they haven't done it. Yeah, don't so, get psyched out by things that haven't happened. Yes, right, right, right. Uh, yeah, they average 21 and a half points a game. They're not exactly prolific. You know, it's hard because obviously that was with Brissett most of the year. But like Daryl said at the beginning of the pod, like Brissett played well. They yep. still didn't score. They played um, really well. Yeah, yeah. and so let uh, make them make them prove it against uh, what for you is the strength of your team in that defense, especially if Curl and, and St. Juice are ready to go on Sunday. All right, anything else? Special teams, they had a nice uh, kickoff to open the Saints game, kickoff return, uh, the Browns yeah. did. Um, anything else? Obviously, we'll see if Gibson plays. Um, that's another element here. Um, if they're down Antonio Gibson, that's limiting, uh, but not fatal, um, certainly for this offense. I would expect to see more Curtis Samuel in the backfield then, which I'm not opposed to. Um, you know, I, I guess Dax Milne goes back to returning kickoffs. Uh, yay. But anything else? Uh News, notes, special teams, offense, defense that, that you want to yeah, mention? Yeah, I just kind of just draw attention to it like as a possible issue is as Jeremy Reeves plays more on defense with Cam Curl, maybe up or down, and then Percy Butler have any expanded role within the defense, like do does the coverage unit start to fatigue at some point? You know, and mm. that's something, again, like I don't think it will. I think those guys are wired the right way. I think they understand, you know, why they're on the team, and, and that's important to them, but – that's always something that I found when I played on teams as special teamers came up and played on defense or offense, for example, right. the, the, the quality of special team went down a little bit. So how right. does that factor in? And um, just something to keep an eye on. I don't think anything terrible is going to happen, but. No, that's a great point. Um, because also, I mean, I've, I've seen this in teams I've covered as well is like, well, the, the special teams guys go to defense and then the practice squad guys go to special teams and the right. practice squad guys don't have the reps and they're not as good. Uh, so that's, that's not ideal. Um, you know, obviously they're not going to replace Reeves as the personal, you know, personal protector Protector, on punt. Um, they're going to make him do both, but like, if he's tired, then. Or like kickoff, for example, he's the five on kickoff. Does he keep doing that? Like there's, right. There's, do do you find places to, to sub out and then the quality drops? That's a great point. Especially, especially because he played so much. I mean, you think he played. 80% 80% of the snaps, 78% of the snaps, which yeah. is a lot. Well, hopefully Curl's back and it's not a not yeah. a factor, right. but 
um, you know, we'll definitely see. All right. Uh, that's Logan. I'm Craig. Thanks for checking out Take Command. We'll be with you on Sunday, 10 a.m. for Countdown to Kickoff on 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980, a burgundy and gold game day. Again, starting at 10 o'clock. I'm with you on the radio each and every weekday from 3 to 6 on the Team 980, and we stream live as well on the free Odyssey app. If you are looking for the full episode of this here podcast, assuming you're not watching it right now on YouTube, you can find it on 106.7 The Fan's YouTube page. I post up some clips, occasionally with some enhancements, as some film, etc., on youtube.com slash at Craig Hoffman as well. And of course, for the audio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, wherever it is that you're listening right now. All right, that'll do. We'll see you on Sunday for Countdown Kickoff. And until then, have a great weekend.